0: Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Our guest today was in the Canadian military for 15 years. As a result of his serving in the military, he suffered post traumatic stress syndrome, PTSD. Joining us from New Brunswick is Greg Shand, who is here to tell us his story about how cannabis has helped him. And Greg is a member of Marijuana for Trauma and Veterans for Healing. Greg, thanks for doing this. It's good to meet you and good to talk to you. Uh, thank you for having me on. What was your job in the military? Uh, initially,
1: when I started the military, I started as a primary reserve force, it was a reserve infantry unit in Nova Scotia, and then uh, a couple of years after that, I decided I was going to roll into the regular force and do that full time. But I wanted to become a truck driver, to have some marketable skills afterwards. It didn't work out that way, but that was the plan.
0: Now, did you ever serve overseas when you were in the military? Yes, I did. Whereabouts?
1: Uh, I was in Afghanistan in uh, 2008, 2009. Two years. Uh, no, sorry. Well, it was from the fall of 2008 to the spring of 2009.
0: Oh, I see. Okay.
1: So it was, it was about seven months. What was that like? Uh, other than hot, it was uh, it was surreal. you get off the plane and you feel like the prop wash from the plane is still hitting you in the back, all that heat from the jet engine, and you realize the plane's been shut off for 10 minutes. It's actually just the temperature outside, and it's here's a bottle of water. I'm walking to Afghanistan.
0: Yeah, that uh, heat for a Canadian is a little difficult to take at first, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Used to it pretty quick. Were you in combat at all over there?
1: Uh, I wasn't in combat as uh, jumping up and closing like jumping into trenches or anything like that. I was, uh, as a transport operator, I was on convoys, and I was also on uh, special operations where we do different missions and stuff that we would attach with the fighting forces. So I was in I was involved in some con- combat that way.
0: Now, did you see things over there that you would rather not remember?
1: Uh, most definitely. Uh, I'd say pretty much that entire seven months.
0: Mm -hmm. We've talked to military folks, uh, a couple of guys from the U.S. who were in Afghanistan, and one of the things that they mentioned is that their nervous system was always ramped up. Did you find that?
1: I I did find that. You're always set to to go. When it was time to sleep, though, you, you, you slept, like you just, you functioned. You were trained to do that. And that's what you
0: did. Now, when you signed up for the military, you obviously didn't have PTSD. When did PTSD start to affect you?
1: Um, it was probably shortly after my return home from overseas. I returned home in April of 2009. And by, uh, I think it was the end of December 2009, I was being diagnosed with PTSD.
2: So, so you only saw the symptoms once you got home? Yes. Uh, other than that, if
1: you were to ask uh, my coworkers, and it was mentioned because when I was diagnosed with PTSD in the army, it was still very well. It still is very hard to talk about. Yes. Um. But people who see me, how I performed over there, they're like, "You're you're faultless. you you never faulted. You just did what you had to get done, and then and then some. Now you have a problem.
2: Yeah, I don't uh- get it." I wonder if it's, when you're over there, it's almost like you're on autopilot. and uh
1: You are. The training takes over. You're, yes. Uh, like I always remember, you know, you've got you to shut down the personal feelings. Like uh, when you have a job to do, you have to, you know, forget about the fact that you have a young child at home, that you have a young family at home. This is the mission. It's when you come back home that you're never really taught about how to uh, turn the emotions back on to function. So when you're sitting there and then you're dealing with all this stuff, this is my first time that I've seen uh, this much disaster in such a widespread area. Everywhere as I went, it was was, uh, absolute poverty. That's got to have a huge
2: impact on you.
1: It does, and it's... I don't think you ever come home and you're the same, but it's just one of those things, you start thinking about this afterwards, and it's... I guess that's how your brain processes it afterwards. If I had all the answers, I'd be a rich—I guess would be a rich man, or I'd be a very well-known man. Anyway.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where, when you're over there, you're on high alert continuously because someone may be out to kill you. Now, when you got out and you were experiencing these symptoms of PTSD, were you on any pharmaceuticals? Did they put you on any pharmaceuticals?
1: Uh, they instantly tried to. Uh, I guess the way it worked out when I came home in April, uh, it started off just drinking. I hadn't drank in a while, so it was just like there was always a reason to have a drink, and it just kept building and building. So I guess by December they had. I have a bag of prescriptions around here somewhere so that I usually keep, but it's a Ziploc, It's a large ziplock bag full of prescriptions they've dropped in over the years.
0: And you were taking all of those.
1: Not all at once, but these are different medications that they tried me you on know, before I found cannabis.
0: Now, I was watching a video that you sent me of an interview you did in which you said that when you came back home, you were essentially in your basement for about a year and a half. Tell us that story. Uh,
1: it wasn't really when I came back home. When I came back home, I was function. I was a functioning uh, functioning but while medicating poorly with uh, alcohol it was when i was released from the military in 2014 we left the, we were living in Petawawa, ontario at the time we moved to new brunswick and it was just that transition period I, that was when i lived about a year and a half in the basement just coming out long enough to drink and uh find more stuff to come
2: greg were you aware um that there was something in quotations wrong with you
1: at first, no, I was in very much denial. Uh, even, when I, even when I was going through the testing and uh, to confirm that it was, in fact, PTSD, and they told me I was still in denial, and then I went into the v told me that my life was over. You just gave me the worst. You gave me terminal news, Was the way I thought of it. And I, th- I think I lost the question there a bit. Sorry.
2: No, that's okay. I was asking if you were aware... Um of how how affected you were.
1: Right. So yes, and then but I still I still wasn't on the I yeah, that's still for uh weaker people I can I can I can shop this off. I got this all
2: Yeah. Now, did you
1: after that that before I started realizing hey, this is something real.
2: Okay. Um did your wife notice that you were different or did she say anything to you or Yes, uh,
1: she She was actually the one that sent me, or she gave me a choice. It was either go talk to somebody, like I promised I would do, or she would have to go back to Nova Scotia for mm-hmm. the sake of self and the boy, because I, was, I wasn't violent, but I was, I sure as heck wasn't the man that she'd married. That was early on.
0: So there a lot of anger issues within you at the time. A lot of anger. Uh,
1: it's just simple. Well, it's not simple, but I guess something simple is. Well, your son didn't finish all his French fries on his plate. Well, Do you know how many kids over there? would love to have them. And, it's, and you're always on edge like that. You're always thinking, like, well, if you're there, I mean, like, come on, like, stop wasting this stuff. There's kids who're starving in the streets, and you're you're throwing this onto your family. You're transferring it onto them.
0: When you were drinking and uh, really isolating yourself from others, is that a fair description? You were isolating yourself.
1: Yes, for the for the, the only dealings I had really with people were uh, if I was going to an appointment that I'd still try to make, but i was still not very good at doing. That was the only interaction with humans I had. Or you had to do with some kind of a party scene. Somewhere where I'm going to be able to consume alcohol. Could feel good for a couple of hours.
0: Yeah, your alcohol was your your choice of medication to medicate your feelings, to suppress them.
1: Yes, I didn't realize that. Uh, it wasn't until like towards the end of my drinking that I realized, like hey, every time I'm drinking here, I go back down this sad, sad road of telling the same sad story over and over again, and I'm not healing.
0: Greg, at any time did you think of taking your own life? Uh, yes. And what stopped you? My family. I never wanted. Uh, I, I. I can't do that. How did you start to come out of your funk? Last summer, I'm like, something's got to change
1: here. I gotta, I gotta make a move. I have this beautiful home, this beautiful property, family. Like, I have things going for me in life, and I don't appreciate any. I went to marijuana for trauma. And I've seen people—they're hugging. I'm still—I'm still skeptical at the time. I'm like, yeah, what a bunch of wackos. <laughs> and I'm still thinking this at the time, right? Because right. it's a whole new feeling to me. I'd ever to be able to openly express uh, a feeling other than hate or anger—you got to be a whack job. But then it's—it's it's contagious when you get around. It's—if I'm a whack job, I'm okay with that because I, I enjoy the love of my brother and my sisters there. And that's when it all started turning around, and I have the support of my family. <laughs> like they've been amazing, like all through everything. I tried to get rid of them many times too, uh, so I could just be my own miserable self. And then they stayed.
0: Now, when you started taking cannabis, uh, just before we get to that question, the irony is that your attitude towards cannabis prior to, to starting it up, you were really opposed to it, weren't you?
1: I was, I was uh, very, very opposed to it. I would disassociate you from my life at work. Not that I go and purposely look for you, but if I found out, you're done. I had no tolerance for it. I had no belief in it. And then I, a couple of years later, a friend of mine suffered from early onset of Parkinson's on other things, but with the tremors in his hand from the early onset of Parkinson's to watch them stabilize after he smoked half of a joint. I'm like, that is amazing. So that's when I started seeing maybe there are benefits to some health issues. And that's when the eyes stop being so close by. It has nothing to do with being like stereotypical hipster, hippie or anything like that there. It's just
0: people together wanting to be well. It's a fascinating plant. How long did it take you to start on cannabis when you first learned of some of its medical benefits
1: I tried it uh, just after after I'd seen, seen my friend's hand I tried it yeah, I had uh, somebody was unknowingly gave me a bad strain it was uh, Linarium from Med Relief it was super high in as a sativa THC and I was a first time cannabis smoker and I had a really bad experience and it steered me clear of it for about a year before I'd even consider looking back at it again. And then when I look back at it again, I haven't looked back at the pharmaceutical. I still have to take a couple pharmaceuticals in my life. I may always have to, but I don't have to take that cocktail that they
2: How long after you started cannabis did you first notice that it was helping?
1: Initial feeling was instant.
2: Right away. Uh,
1: to actually see long-lasting benefits, a couple months Couple months is when I started realizing, okay, this is actually doing something. I'm not going for my bad medicine, I don't have a desire. I can look at I can be around, I can sniff it. It doesn't bother
0: me. Greg, how did it impact your drinking?
1: I don't drink today. I had a drop of alcohol since May. Prior to that, I was drinking maybe three drinks a week. But prior to me actually, and then this time last summer when I was still having that choice between cannabis. And alcohol, when I was always choosing the alcohol, and at that point I could... It was nine times out of ten minimum, 26 ounces of rum a day.
0: 26 ounces of rum a day. Wow. Yes. That's a fair bet. You were on your road to becoming an alcoholic. Uh,
1: By every definition I am an alcoholic. And I know they say alcoholics, do you I don't believe I am. And it's just for the simple fact of... uh, I can be around the alcohol. I have no urge for it. You can pour my glass, and I'll pass it off. I don't want
0: it. You know what? I don't think you are an alcoholic. I think you were drinking a lot to medicate your feelings. As a result of the use of cannabis, those feelings have been medicated in a different, more healthy way. Therefore, your desire for alcohol has diminished greatly to the point where you really don't have any desire for it at all. So I, exactly. would, I wouldn't say that you were, were an alcoholic. I'd say if you had continued down the road that you were heading, you yes. you were uh, you were a big-time drinker. Very heavy, yes.
1: Uh, blood pressure's going back down, bank accounts going up. I can't see any problems here. <laughs>
0: 26, <laughs> 26 ounces of rum a day is going to be expensive. <laughs> <laughs> what was with your high blood pressure? Did you have that when you were in the military?
1: It wasn't until after I was diagnosed with PTSD that it started to creep up uh, with the high blood pressure. And then last fall, my doctor checked my blood pressure. She used the words walking stroke piece. And, mm. it, and, and like, she was like, it's, it's not if, it's when, if like, you keep going this way.
0: Um, and your blood pressure has come down as a result of using cannabis as of using cannabis, and then it came down even
1: further when I stopped uh, using alcohol, and it's just it's getting better.
0: I want to know a bit about your, your Afghanistan trip and some of the things you saw over there that can be absolutely horrific to the point where people here, I don't think, really understand what you saw because you see people being killed, correct?
1: I'd really rather not paint that picture.
0: Okay, uh, okay. Let's uh, let's not go let's not go there then. Let's uh, let's deal with something else. You're a member of Marijuana for Trauma and Veterans for Healing. Correct. Tell me about Marijuana for Trauma and how you got involved with that.
1: Initially, Marijuana for Trauma was the only organization I heard of. I didn't uh, realize that Veterans for Healing was even even a thing. It's, it was a thing the whole way through. It was just one of the background projects at the time. I guess for the lack of better terms, but that's my interpretation of it. So marijuana for trauma, I'd heard through about through a friend of mine with the Parkinson's. The staff seemed very, very knowledgeable at the time for a guy that doesn't know anything about it. And they're generally, uh, friendly and welcoming. So then you, you get, you get there, you see that side it. So the marijuana for trauma brings you in, introduces you to the medical cannabis and then the veterans for healing is our peer support side of it being said, we also have civilians within the organization. Uh, We don't... Veterans for Healing is the name. Veterans are our primary focus, but we will not turn people away.
0: So it's an umbrella group really for anyone who wants to use marijuana for healing purposes.
1: For healing purposes. uh, Veterans for Healing is more...
0: uh,
1: It's not more. it's, It's the peer group for the cannabis. It's also the peer group for the camaraderie and uh, understanding of each other. When I say I don't want to paint the picture or they say, hey, how's it going? You say, it's not good. They know. It's that kind of atmosphere that I don't have to, I just say I'm having a bad day, they they get it.
0: Now, Greg, is it fair to say prior to cannabis, uh, all of your days were bad? I would would definitely
1: say 99.9% of the days were
0: bad. With cannabis, how many bad days do you have? I still have,
1: I still have my share of the bad days. I'm just trying to think of a number here, and I can't even say bad like off days. Bad days, two, three a month maybe.
0: Yeah, they're few and far between.
1: They're they're a lot less. I the quality of life is, uh, has definitely improved. Yeah, cannabis has given me my quality of life.
0: I think what cannabis has done, Greg, and correct me if I'm wrong, is really given you your life back. It's a fresh start for you after what you've experienced. Fair enough? It's, it's
1: close. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever be... It's a fresh start for the new Greg, I guess. What I'm capable of who I am. I'll give
0: you that one. But your mental health is much improved over what it was. Yes, it is.
1: I can actually have decent night sleeps. I even had one last week. I didn't wake up wet.
0: By wet, you mean from sweat? Mm, yes, sorry, wet from sweat. Yes. But... Yeah, I don't want you to say that you wet the bed, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I,
1: I honestly, I mean, you know, I've checked myself to see because I've been that way.
0: Yeah, none of us can really understand and uh, what you have gone through and what you're experiencing because it is uh, just a totally, totally different way of life that people in the West don't understand. Are there many other folks in the military who experience PTSD like you, or in some other form of PTSD, maybe not quite as severe as yours, just PTSD generally?
1: I don't, uh, for myself, the, the definitions between mild and severe, and when we start breaking down the degrees of PTSD, That's that's for the doctors and People qualify to do that. I'm more worried about just the PTSD. That's, uh, to me, PTSD is a terminal disease, if you let it be.
0: Explain so, that when, it, when you say, if you let it be. If you let
1: it be, like if you let it, if you just say, hey, I'm never going to be better. I'm done looking. I'm done looking for ways to help heal myself and make myself better. Then you've now become terminal. Do you, know have what? To, you, have,
0: you have to keep working. Yeah, no, you have to keep working on it. And I think you've you've actually hit on a very extremely important point. That if you have the mental attitude that uh, this isn't going to bring you down, and you are going to do whatever it takes to deal with it, and maybe not correct it, but uh, remodel it in your head, then you're well on the road to recovery.
1: Fair enough. This is yes. This is the whole. Uh that's just what i believe It's how i try to live my life whenever i'm possibly able to do it i mean we're all human we all we all falter but uh that's that's how i keep going and then for people with the army if you have ptsd like i said it comes back down to the doctors to just decide where or why you have it that's not up
0: to me craig do you only smoke cannabis or do you take it in other forms I haven't uh, lately, but I, I was taking that uh, in capsule form, so I didn't
1: ingest it. I uh, initially started out, yes, as smoking as, as a traditional joint. And then I moved into uh, the concentrate family of the rosins, or dabs, I guess they call it, on the streets.
0: Is there a form you
1: prefer? I prefer I prefer the, the concentrate. I'm not too keen on the oils myself. It's just a, it's a texture thing. It's not that they don't work. They do work. As for smoking, it's great for flavor. does have medical benefits, but I believe you're really wasting your medicine. I'm more for if you're going to uh, vaporize something or use an electric nail, and I think that there's probably a better way to do it because you get the concentrate out of it. And then you have the the leftover flour that's pressed down into chips that you can grind down and back into your capsules. So you're getting 100% use of your medicine.
0: Look at this guy. He's telling us about cannabis, and he just hated it a few years ago. <laughs> <Right>?
1: <laughs> it's and it's it's funny. Like once you actually listen, you'll hear the there's science in there, and not just hippie, hippie, hippie flower pot smoke.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's one of the problems is the changing people's attitude toward cannabis because they've always assumed that it was just uh, a drug that you could take to get high and it had no medicinal value. But I think in, we, on this program, deal with strictly the medicinal value of marijuana, cannabis, right. and it is absolutely astounding some of the things and some of the stories that people have told us about using this substance to heal themselves of issues that the medical profession had no answers for. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's great. How uh, how did your how does your wife view what uh, the progress you've made over the last uh, several months?
1: I haven't had any complaints. Uh, initially, well, initially it was a, a just a different culture for us both to the campus, but it's been uh, support all the way along, and I actually think they're they just getting strong.
0: Nice. That's great to hear, Greg. Anything uh, you'd like to say in conclusion? I have to go
1: political here for a minute on it.
0: Go politic away uh, there. <laughs>
1: for, for the Minister of Veterans Affairs, uh, Minister Hare, that uh, I just want him to actually just take the time and listen to this, and then sit down. And if it's, you don't want to sit down with me, fine. Don't sit down with some veteran and their spouse. And you look them in the eye, and you tell them that, that veteran why they have to fight for their life because you want to cut back and save money on on uh, canvas. Other than that, i uh, had a really great time on the show.
0: Greg, it was good to talk to you. I appreciate your time, and I wish you all the best in the future.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Greg. Have a great day. Yeah, you too.
0: And if you'd like to help us out at Cannabis Health Radio, then go to our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and uh, check out our new website. And there is a donation icon on the website. You can donate a one-time donation, or if you want, a monthly donation. And uh, check us out, CannabisHealthRadio.com. And if you have a story that you'd like to tell us about your medical use of cannabis, also send us an email at info at CannabisHealthRadio.com. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website CannabisHealthRadio.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter.
1: Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to PodConnects.com.
0: Here's a preview of one of our other shows.